Welcome. I'm uh, Rabbi Shmuel Skeist. And I'm Abraham from Kibbelevich. And uh, today we're going to discuss Halloween. And before we discuss Halloween, what we need to uh, discuss is why we're discussing Halloween. Somebody could ask a very good question. Say, I, I thought this was a, a, a Jewish blog that was produced by a yeshiva. And uh, maybe I could understand if you're going to talk about Hanukkah coming up, if you're going to talk about other Yom Tovim. But to, to talk about Halloween seems to be inappropriate. And uh, in principle, I think when we were talking about this episode, we were, were in agreement that really it's not something that we should discuss. It has, has nothing to do with us in a perfect world. But we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world that is consumed by Halloween. Not only is it consumed by Halloween, certainly in our culture in America, Israel is different, obviously, um, but it, it has become such a completely overwhelming thing. You can't uh, drive up the street in the neighborhood without spooky lights and and uh, shadowy ghosts jumping out at you from people's lawns. And, uh, and just people mentioning it, people saying that they're going to uh, celebrate Halloween, they're involved in Halloween. Uh, right. It's... It, I think worthy for us living in this world, and that's part of what our program is about, is to at least consider it and discuss it. Yes. And uh, also, uh, we can't bury our heads in the sand. We can't pretend that it doesn't affect our children, our, our, uh, our probably our teens more than, more than others. And I think that it affects them in a different way than uh, we have been affected in the past. And we're, we're going to get into that. But uh, despite the fact that it's not our Yom Tov, it's not our holiday... Um, we felt that it was an important issue to discuss. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it, it's definitely as kosher as a, as a Super Bowl, which we I think we discussed last year. Right. But again, m- most of the reviews of Halloween and Judaism, and there is some halakhic literature about it, uh, focuses on the idea of Fukat Agoyim. Uh, Michael Broyd uh, has written an article which he appended to his essay on Judaism and Thanksgiving. And he basically goes through the standard uh, sources that deal with what is Hukas Agoyim. Tosu Shita is a very strict Shita, which is any type of activity that we know has its sources in the Gentile world. And it has specific acts that should that are done and followed, even if they're silly and ridiculous and are not pernicious and part of some sort of pagan or death culture, it's also to follow those and live and, and act in such a way. However, there is the Shittas of the Marik, also in the as well, that it must, in the Ran, it must be tied in some way to an Avodizara a- action. Somehow, whatever action that is done, even though it might not be comprehended, by everybody doing it, but if in our research it shows that these actions were connected or are connected to an Avodah principle, despite the fact that most of the people observing it might not be aware of exactly how it works, then that is verboten by Jewish law. And Rabbi Broy quotes the Ramah in the Ardea that Paskins according to that Shita. Based on that, Rabbi Broy says that getting involved in Halloween, since it is based on pagan 
culture. It's based on the Celtic holiday that was harvest connected. Uh, the Celts were worried that as the harvest season was totally ending, the demons or ghosts or powers from beyond would ruin would ruin uh, all our pumpkins and all our corn and everything else that we're gathering in for the winter. And therefore, we sort of fool them by offering them sacrifices, giving them tricks, giving them treats, I'm sorry, and by dressing up as these beings, and in that way, we can sort of, as Arveva Sasotan, I think you mentioned a similar thing, we're going to fool them. That was the original Celtic idea of this period. Uh, it turned into, as many have already stated, the Catholic Church it turned it into a day to actually recognize not the, the demons, but to recognize the dearly departed saints, and they actually would send their emissaries from home to home to to pray for the for the souls of the departed, and again receive food as compensation for praying for the dead. So that that's the original connection to quote-unquote Yevodizara. And based on that, he and he is a liberal uh, Orthodox Jew in, in a certain sense. I, I hope I, I explain that well. He's uh, clearly within the bounds of Orthodoxy, but he is considered one of the liberal voices in Orthodox Judaism, and he therefore says that it's also for children or parents to be involved in Halloween activities. Yeah, Rabbi Broid's Psak is, is crucial, I think. Uh, not really that much for the Northeast communities, but communities like his community in Atlanta, communities in Houston where I was a rogue and, and working as the Mashiach in the school there, those are communities where many of the kids who are from Orthodox homes are very connected to the Gentile culture that's around them, and there are many kids who go to the schools uh, who are from homes that have a tremendous temptation to want to follow their friends, many of them Jewish friends, to trick-or-treating and to Halloween parties. And based on this psaac, we would have to tell our, those children that this is something that as hard as it is that they should accept and, and not be involved in. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's only, I, you're probably right that it's more prevalent out of town and away from the New York center of, of American Jewish life, but uh, we were talking earlier about this letter that we found that was written a few years ago by a senior in uh, Flatbush Yeshiva in, uh, in Brooklyn, and um, he's uh, kind of very open about the fact that he's going to be celebrating Halloween, he talks about what his costume is going to be, and um, to his credit, he did some research. He's not saying uh, that he didn't that, that you know he's just getting involved and he's not doing it a, a, as a uh, as a way of kind of def being defiant. But he says he did his research and it's all old pagan stuff that's no longer practiced that people don't really believe in anymore. And uh, right now, he um, he says very clearly he's, from his perspective, it's it's something that um, that everyone does. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, it's been butchered by capitalists trying to rip off Americans and costumes and so on. And he gets into it and he says, but uh, he says, and he makes sure to add that, thank God, we have our own beautiful Jewish heritages and customs. 
And um, but at the same time, he says, uh, you know, he doesn't. We don't. We don't have to get ballistic about it and assume that it's the it's one of the Gimla Beirut Hamurot that Yarfal Yavar. Again, you know, he brings up a good point that Ben Kramer, I think, then wherever he might be, maybe he could. I'm not sure where he is now, but again, you're right. He was when he wrote that four or five years ago. I guess he was a senior. If you're listening to this, Ben, you can comment below. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll have you on the show next time to tell me what your costume was this year. Uh, but I think he he raises a good point, and it actually should put be put in perspective to what Rabbi Broid was writing, which is that yes, there's vestiges, but vestiges can be so vestigial; they can be so small that when do they fade into insignificance? When 99% of the people doing it, 0.9, don't connect this to anything except having some fun. And, you know, it's customary to be a ghost, but you can go as E.T. or as Britney Spears or whatever you want to go as. It's really not connected to, to, to life or death or any of those, those concepts that it had been. But perhaps it has become completely secular. Uh, Rabbi Jeffrey Goldenwasser who was writing a psaac for his reform congregants and for others interested, said that a, his reform Jewish flock has no, should have no problem. It's a little ironic, a little bit, that uh, he's dealing with the issue of Fukas Adoyim, but he says that we should have no problem sending our children, celebrating, and going to these events. Uh, he had something interesting, too, which I, which I thought is a little bit worthy of consideration, and that is he felt that for little children, you know, wearing the skeleton, the crossbones, and dealing with ghouls and zombies might be a way to ease them into a discussion of death, which is a scary thing. And by having fun with the concept, it might be some way to begin talking about death in a way that doesn't scare them and paralyze them. So he—that's the point that that he made. Well, it's true, of course. I mean, uh, you know, by that token, uh, anything having to do with death at any time can be used as a uh, an opening into a an educational moment to teach uh, to teach children. And, okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, I can see a subtle difference, though, and I'm not sure if which is the better one. I know John Updike wrote that he believed that dog ownership was positive just as a means to allow children to come to terms with death. Because, unfortunately, you know, the, the family hound usually has to die in the lifetime of the, as a person is still a child. And having that occur can sometimes... And how enriched our culture has become by old Yeller and... Lassie. Lassie and the, the well, Old Yellow got shot. Old Lassie. Yellow got shot. I mean, Lassie just was. Re- Lassie was stalked by, by by a different Lassie, right. different boy. Lassie. But old, old Yellow, he had to shoot his own dog, right? Yeah, old Yellow had, had to get yeah, the boy yeah. had to shoot his dog. Yeah. His father. Had to shoot um, his dog. What do they call it when when you uh, when you give away the plot? They have a, there's a modern way of saying it. Uh, spoiler. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. If you haven't read Old Yellow. Yeah. I've seen Old Yellow. I've seen. You. I, I don't think I've. Uh, yeah. Have I seen it? I read the book when I was as a kid. Reading, but yes. you're right. It is about uh, uh, the film Claude Jarman, but I think it's a uh, death is uh, always going to be difficult, no matter what. I, I I can't agree with Goldwasser that this is the best way for it to happen, because most of the kids really believe these ghosts are they're getting dressed up as are are not necessarily connected to you know someone who has passed on. 
Right. So when we talk about that stock, I think, and we talk about Kramer's letter, I think we should also mention the letter that appears side by side in that newspaper article, which is a letter from uh, Chava Schneiderman, who I right. think comes from Beis Rivka and Crown Heights. And she, as a senior, as there, uh, really posits, I think, very strongly the, the positives of what we have uh, in terms of contrasting Purim to Halloween. Right. And she talks about Halloween being aggressive, demanding candy, coming to people's houses, whereas Purim is about giving. She also mentions that, for the most part, the Purim costumes that are worn in the Orthodox world are costumes that are tasteful and celebratory, funny, but within the bounds of modesty, whereas Halloween costumes, even their best, are about zombies and killers and guys with blood coming out of their face. And at worst, it could, you know, be the type of thing that, you know, you'd, you'd want to avert your eyes from if you're, if, because it just it's, it borders on pornographic sometimes. I saw a, uh, a YouTube video of uh, some girls in a public school who put on a did a spoken word performances. Um, basically saying that um, they are offended by the choices of costumes that are offered to them and perhaps even expected of them. And these young women are saying, we are, uh, we don't choose to do this. And um, You're it, saying that the costumes that are being offered are all uh, salacious and... and, and, and Modest? Yes. Yeah. They're, so they're, those when they go to costume stores to try to find something, yes. the only thing that they're, they're it's almost like they they're objectified. They have to for go, women. They have to go into something slinky and sexy. For women, they can either be a monster or Catwoman. Or exactly, exactly. Or, or there's nothing in between. And and they were expressing um, frustration and kind I, of. I think Kyle Schneiderman also makes this point that, in a way, the whole even if you talk about the secularization of the holiday. The forces behind it. We're going to talk about the the candy makers and the confectioners, but even the costume makers. This is just a way to keep to pump this thing up in order to right. to keep sure. keep the money keep coming the, in, and you, and giving giving the public not necessarily what they want, but what you know will push a button by them and make right. them addicts right. to this idea. And again, if we push the envelope and only offer these type of costumes, sure. those are the costumes that people are going to take. Absolutely. Absolutely. She also, I think, makes a, a very good point, and this is a, a things that happened to both of us, and we were talking about this as well, was the fact that it was a day that, for years, was very scary to be an Orthodox Jew yes. on the night of Halloween. Uh, the egg throwing and things like that. Terrifying. I mean, when I was... Uh uh, when I was a kid in, in Baltimore, uh, it was uh, you didn't go out on Halloween, and, and uh, everyone had their story about when they had to go out, go to Myriv or whatever it was, and getting egged, and uh, it was very, very unpleasant, uh, very unpleasant. Yeah, but, uh, as as recent as seven years ago or eight years ago, when I was walking in the streets of Skokie, Illinois, and I think Halloween was there was on Shabbos, and you know, I was going to wear a long coat on Shabbos and. I walked into uh, Shalashidis and someone said, "What is? What's that? 
yellow stuff dripping wow. on your back. And I knew that I felt something. Somebody had actually, you know, someone actually thrown uh, a rocket uh, from, a, from a car. And uh, it was hard to get that, that stuff out. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that stuff doesn't come out so easy at the, at the cleaners. The, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, but we've also, we were talking before about, you know, sometimes you get involved, I mean, I I got involved in a, in a, in a Halloween situation that I hadn't intended. I was, um, I have um, some musicians that I work with who are, uh, this, this person actually is Jewish, he's, he's not uh, observant, he's a Jewish guy, very sweet guy, and he asked me to come to this party to stop by, and I thought it was the right thing to do, to stop by to say hello, I didn't intend to stay very long, it was in his house, it was a and um, I didn't know that it was a costume party. I guess I should have assumed. I don't. I, I think I knew it was Halloween, but I thought it was just like, oh, it's an excuse to, you know, people are off or whatever. People are doing things. So he's, you know. So I walk in, and um, everyone's dressed and wearing costumes. And um, I think if that if that's all that had happened, I, I wouldn't even maybe have remembered it. Although it was a bit strange for me, but the, things got really bizarre. It was a Matzoi Shabbos, so I was wearing my Shabbos. Garb. I was wearing my my uh, tish bakisha, uh, long black coat, and, and I had my hat, and, and my pants were, were down. And um, uh, immediately, everyone there assumed that I was in costume, and everyone was asking. People were saying, "My goodness, you look so authentic! Where did you get that costume? <laughs> how did you how did you do that?" And I was like, "I've been practicing." You know? um, and, but that really made it feel wrong because. It's one thing if I had gone into a, a costume party and I had kind of registered my um, my not being a part of things by saying, well, okay, you're all dressed up or whatever. I'm, I'm doing uh, my social obligation by stopping by and saying hello and, and, and so on, but uh, I'm not dressed up. But, it, but that's not what happened. What happened was I, I, almost as if everyone there kind of pulled me into collusion with what was going on by assuming that I was in costume. And that made me feel even more uncomfortable. Um, and uh, So even if we talk about owning up to the fact that our Gentile friends are having Halloween parties, going there and even coming in for a couple of minutes really crosses the line, I think is what you're saying. crosses the line between you know, absorbing what's happening and... Which is what's going to go? They're going to be they're going to absorb everything. We know that our students and ourselves and almost anyone who's, let's say, looking into the world is aware of what's happening. They know about Halloween and sure. they know about the parties and, and, and we know from our own students that they're on the internet and they're watching the films, but actually attending and being in those places is a certain line. Yes, uh, I, I, I don't know that I would, uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like I want to take a hardline position on it. I don't know that in practice or in actuality I would say that uh, somebody who goes uh, to something where Halloween is being uh, um, kind of observed by people who have no intention whatsoever, it's just a, a, an excuse to have a get-together, and since everyone else is getting the costume, they're getting the costume, like this friend of mine is Jewish, he's not... Right. It certainly was not uh, intending to participate in any way uh, in, in in the holiday per se. So um, I, I don't I don't know that that's necessarily a, a horrible thing. But I do feel that we do need to draw the line somewhere. We need to be able to 
you know, we we've had we have a number of halachos that were designed to uh, continue or create or, or create separation uh, and a recognition that we're not necessarily part of all of culture. That there are lines, and I think that in today's day and age, those lines are very blurry as it is, and we ought to try to draw lines. And this is a relatively painless area to draw a line in. Uh, to say, don't participate in a holiday that traditionally Jews have been attacked and and have uh, has been used uh, by by people as a, as a and is in general has roots in very very kind of ugly negative things. Um, let's draw the line there and not participate. I don't think that that is so such an extreme position to but, take. You know, when I was growing up in, in Memphis, uh, and we didn't have a, a block that was stacked with Jews. You know, Jews with one here, one another block there. The shul was across the street. But most of the block was, was non-Jews. And we knew that we weren't going to get dressed up and go out to trick-or-treat. That's the way my parents had raised us. But we took great simcha on Halloween night because we knew people would be coming to the house. Uh, we would enjoy some of the costumes. We would be happy shop, going shopping the week before and getting the candies getting them ready and, and seeing the smiles of the people as we were giving them out. And sometimes going down in the street and actually seeing them coming. I remember my brother and I, it was a fun night for us. Although we knew where we were going to stop. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, uh, that article that I sent you from uh, Akiva Malis, uh, I think right. his name was, uh, who wrote about Rav Palm uh, and his Revitson preparing uh, popcorn and, and treats and... Uh, it was interesting because he was saying that the the person he was quoting, because he had brought it was it was an, he had brought his 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 fiance over oh, yes, it was. to to say Mazel Tov. Right. But more important of the memory of the Mazel Tov was I think he said right. the sight of, was the sight of rabbits and palm popping popcorn and putting them into bags and getting them ready and making sure the lights were on. Right. So they could welcome the people, the local kids from the neighborhood who were gonna, who were gonna come, uh, presumably non-Jewish uh, kids from the neighborhood who were gonna come trick or treating, and, and I think that that's, um, you know, that's a that's a, a beautiful uh, illustration of how one can not participate uh, as a participant, but can honor uh, in a country like ours, honor the people who are participating. You know, making a kiddush Hashem. Clearly, the rabbi yeah. there is a place where you get stuff. Sure. Uh, I read the article and I was thinking that I don't know how many years ago it happened. But I think there's been a, a sea change in attitude, and maybe it has to do with the unfortunate uh, incidents that have occurred. Razor blades and candy bars? And just in general, stranger danger. The idea that we're an open society, but be careful. Don't necessarily take that next step. Well, you know, we didn't even talk about this beforehand, but it's actually, uh, it, it, if you think about it, it makes so much sense that a holiday like Halloween, which has its roots in all of this death and and, and ghosts and so on, would lead to people doing things as bizarre as, as putting okay. poison in things and, 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 and that type of thing. I mean, that, that's not likely to happen in a holiday that's celebrating community and celebrating life. Not as likely. So, perhaps it's a holiday that but I was actually just thinking about something which is is true even beyond Halloween, which is the fact that I agree with what you're saying. That again, it brings out the the, the freaky Freddies and, and yeah, Jason. Trick or treat. I mean, yeah. what, what what's the trick? I mean, the trick is up the uh, ante of how terrible the trick is going to yes. be. 
But I think the, you know, if, if someone would ask me the following question, should one buy candy in order to make a Kiddush Hashem, because you know people are coming to your house, in order to give them out? Or can it be proper to say, I don't want to be bothered by it, I'm turning the lights out, I'm parking the car around the block, and I'm going to give off the idea that there's nobody home, and just go upstairs and stay in a room and they're not going to see the lights, or even if they do. I would say that today, the people that are coming to the homes, normally now it's with parents, they're trying to stay away from people they don't know. Right. They're not trying to use Halloween as a way to get to know everybody in the neighborhood. I don't think that's true anymore. I think there's a way of being safe and limiting it, limiting it in terms of what time to what time it lasts. I don't know if the opportunity of Kiddush Hashem is as a parent and as necessary. So, again, I my I don't know if I'm I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be home tonight. I have a wedding tonight to go to, and I might go with my wife. And I'm going to tell my daughter not to answer the door, right. uh, no matter who comes. So I think that the, you know the story from Rapam is beautiful because of what it shows you about uh, the type of Madregi he was and, and the type of Spendus Rebetzin. Well, we're we're getting we're kind of running out of time, so um, I wanted to get a chance to talk about the whole idea of costuming, but I think we're going to have to leave that for another time. Um, right. And maybe we should also throw in the fact that uh, one of the other negatives or, or positives, but I, I think is somewhat of a negative, especially in today's time, is the tremendous amount of candy consumption that goes on. Right. Uh, again, we're not the first people to, to bring this up, but we know that, uh, you know, I, I sent you that, that article about the woman who's giving out when she sees moderately obese children, instead of giving them candy, she's going to give a letter for them to take home to their parents right. that they should wean their kids off sweets. And right. She's doing them a bigger favor this way. Right. After Halloween, I'm going to invite her to come to Muncie to our kosher supermarket and stand in the largest candy aisle in the entire United States of America and, yeah, it is. and talk to people about that. But again, yeah. we don't have time to go into yeah, that in depth. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, again, all this uh, this candy talk is, uh, is now giving me sort of some, some cravings, but uh, uh, maybe well, we shouldn't spoil our appetite until after the Thanksgiving show. Okay. Next month. Very good. Uh, I'm uh, Rabbi Shmuel Skaist. And I'm Rabbi Avram Kipilevich. And this has been Part Sufim. See you next time. <laughs>